This is John Gramstrand, and I'm a certified energy specialist for CHS Ag Services in Stephen, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan, along with Sierra Doctor. We'll also have a report from Whitney Pittman. Well, Countryside Insurance is hosting a farmer update meeting in Reynolds, North Dakota today. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman is there. Daryl Richardson, director of NDON, addressed uh, the, the crowd here today. Tell us a little bit about uh you talked the impacts of the Endon stations outside of agriculture. I mean, it's the it's got some some other implications as well to businesses outside of that sector. Well, it's probably in the Red River Valley. The thing that people probably don't know is that you know we have a whole bunch of soil moisture probes. So although not a lot of snow penetrates into the soils, some does. And when we have spring flooding, you might read in the flood report or the prospects for the spring they'll go well the soil was this the frost depth is here that's coming from endon because we have deep soil temperature probes so we know where the frost depth is and we know what the soil moisture was in the fall especially that top couple of inches where you can actually get some penetration depending on the timing of the flood if it comes too early you really get hardly anything but if it comes later in april you actually get a little absorption which would lower the forecast and you also talked a little bit about where the bulk of our moisture comes from in the summertime and it's a little bit a uh, little bit intimidating to think about but it's also really important to have the severe weather events oh i for years have always told people i don't know if we would even be able to really use this area for agricultural side of maybe pasture land if it wasn't for severe weather. A high percentage of our rains in the summer and the growing season come from severe weather. So yeah, severe weather does nasty stuff. No one likes that. And you know, you're gonna hear the news, well, this storm did this, you know, there's this wind damage, you know, this, they'll interview a farmer, look at all of his corn just absolutely shredded by the hail. That's horrible. But that's usually less than 1% of the total area. There, everyone else, Sometimes it depends on the summer, but in those fast few summers, it came with a rain. So in turn, that was a billion or $2 billion rain because our crop yields are going to enhance. We desperately needed that rain. So in turn, everyone thinks of severe weather as bad, but it actually is more benefit than disadvantages of it. But, you know, the disadvantages are pretty striking, you know, and that's why that makes the news over the great benefits that we get from that same storm. Daryl Richardson, director of NDON, joining us on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman in Reynolds, North Dakota. Traders are squaring positions and unwinding spreads ahead of tomorrow's USDA supply and demand data. Bauer trading market analyst Ben Cash says news flow is quiet too. There wasn't much out overnight to really go off of either. Um, we are starting to see uh, the dollar settle down a little bit. That has rallied over 350 points uh, since its lows last week. Uh, so we're starting to see some of that um, some of that rally kind of subside. Uh, but overall, here it seems like more repositioning going on. We also uh, have kind of a mixed bag on the forecast. Looks like Brazil's clearing up a little bit. Uh, moving, going to see some more harvest movement as well as um, second crop corn planting as well. Uh, but Argentina. Still very supportive. Cash is not expecting a volatile reaction to the report. Not. I mean, I think they've made their biggest adjustments there on this report uh, in January. 
Um, the South American numbers are going to be closely watched. Argentina, in particular, uh, you know, I don't look for too many adjustments there on the Brazil crop, but Argentina, you know, they'll likely uh, continue uh, to reduce that crop size. Uh, you know, they tend to be not all that aggressive with it, so don't look for any huge uh, reductions there. They, they kind of take their time on reducing crop sizes there. So, uh, but you know, trade is expecting a decline there. Heartland Commodities and Securities Market Analyst Jason Winter is expecting a fairly quiet report tomorrow. Because I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of changes uh, uh, as far as uh, uh, the numbers from, from January. Maybe a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit uh, lighter on the export side of things, but uh, nothing too major. That's, that's probably not already in the market. So just a lot of spread action going on. And South American production will likely get the most attention. You know, we'll we'll see what kind of changes they make as far as Brazil and Argentina goes. So, market's anticipating a little bit higher number in Brazil and a, and uh, and a little bit lower number in Argentina. But a lot of that, like I said, has already been. And I mean, we've been trading Argentina for like the last week, two weeks. So, Statistics Canada says all wheat stocks in Canada at the end of 2022 were in line with trade estimates at 22.3 million metric tons and 33% more than a year ago. Durham stocks totaled 3.7 million tons. Canola stocks are up 29% from last year at 11.14 million tons. The average pre-report at trade estimate for canola was 11.7 million metric tons. The best of the best in wheat and soybean research programs will be held tomorrow and Thursday. Tomorrow's program will be at the Alara Center in Grand Forks. Thursday's program will be at the Courtyard by Marriott in Moorhead. Minnesota Association of Wheat Growers program lead Chris Matter says there is still time to register. The registration will close at 3 today, um, but they, we do accept walk-ins, so that's no problem. We'll just have you register at the door if they don't get registered by today. Um, but what we got going on is uh, a very, very broad um, spectrum of, of different uh, research projects that we'll be talking about. And you can register at mnwheat.org. Again, walk-ins are welcome. That program begins at 8.30 tomorrow morning. Following a sharp increase to close out 2022, the Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer had only a modest increase in January. While optimism about the future improved slightly, most of the farmers responding to the telephone survey said margins will be tighter this year than in 2022. 70% of the farmers said they think now is a bad time to make large investments in their operation. Nearly 40% blamed high prices for farm machinery and new construction, and 25% cited high interest rates. The report said more farmers expect farmland values to hold steady this year. Don't forget, you can find out more about Red River Farm Network, radio affiliates, listen to this broadcast, podcast, and more on your phone. Bookmark rrfn.com. This is the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. When it comes to weed control and sugar beets, water hemp gets a lot of attention. Extension sugar beet agronomist Tom Peters is also concerned about common ragweed and kochia. Crop rotation is an important part of weed management. Especially for kochia, what you do in the preceding crops, last year's crop and then maybe even two years ago crop is really important. And the reason for that is is because kochia doesn't last more than two years. The seed doesn't remain viable. So 
if you're growing um, soybeans two years out, there's a, a number of good products that can be used in soybeans. And then when we're at the, the wheat part of the rotation, really concentrate on, on using products in wheat that are active on kosher as well. Peters is part of the series of American Crystal Sugar Company Growers Seminars. He's evaluating the role of older chemistries for beets like Eptam and Ronit. We don't have the luxury of many options, so we have to take advantage of all the tools in the toolbox. And if, if it means going back to some of the oldies but goodies, we're going to certainly do that. During the American Crystal Grower Seminars this week, NDSU Extension entomologist Mark Botel told growers there are three main pests to be watching for this coming year grasshoppers, springtails, and root maggots. There were a fair amount of grasshopper eggs laid last fall, uh, fairly decent counts in the North Dakota IPM survey, uh, crop pest survey suggested that, and then we're going in, you know, the uh, drought monitor suggested as of, uh, I think it was the 26th of January, that um, northeastern North Dakota and then bordering areas in, in Minnesota, so in the valley, uh, those are considered uh, abnormally dry. Botel says a combined approach of seed treatment and insecticide is showing to be very effective on springtails. With, a say, a seed treatment and a sprayable liquid at planting, either a Mustang or a Midac at planting along with a seed treatment, uh, works better than either one of them alone. Um, so we're still working on springtails, trying to develop new tools, but the seed treatments tend to work okay, even alone and uh, under high pressure. Uh, combined approach uh, works well, and then the granular insecticide um, insecticides that are used by growers at planting work very well too. The Advanced Crop Advisors Workshop underway in Fargo today and tomorrow. NDSU Extension Cropping System Specialist Greg Endress says it's the 31st annual workshop. It's designed primarily for crop advisors, although we do have some farmers that join us and, and others. And, and our objective is to discuss some selected topics in most cases and dig into them. We have a number of general sessions and then about a dozen concurrent sessions. And then all of these topics were were selected based on our planning committee, which is comprised of some extension uh, personnel, but mostly folks that are out in the field, um, private crop consultants and industry agronomists. And so they provide us with a lot of input to develop these programs. And a number of sessions will tackle soil health and conservation. Yeah, with the soils offerings, we, we have uh, a number of things. One, as an example, is just the use of of nitrogen and phosphorus, the timing and placement. Both of these, these fertilizers are very expensive compared to in the past, and so we want people to use them as efficiently as possible. And so we have a, a scientist that's going to talk about details on, on use of these two. And then we have a number of other soil sessions that include uh, low pH soils and compacted soils, uh, managing iron deficiency chlorosis, and just uh, one on soil conservation with emphasis in the Red River Valley. 
U.S. dairy export sales were record high in both value and production in 2022. According to USDA, dairy exports totaled $9.5 billion in value last year. That beats the 2021 record by 25%. Sales totaled 2.8 million metric tons in volume, up 52% in in the past 10 years. The U.S. dairy industry now exports 18% of all milk production. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. NDSU's Little International is taking place this Saturday. The Saddle and Sirline Club's Little Eye Manager, Jade Kosky, says preparations for the event has been in the works for an entire year. The real nuts and bolts of it gets planned starting in August and through the fall semester, whether it be nominating themes, picking colors, um, and nominating our agriculturists for the year. And not only that, we also pick all of the people who are involved on a bigger level, so the committee chairs and the co-chairs and the superintendents. So that all gets picked in the fall semester. So we spend a good six, seven months planning this um, just in the fall semester. This year, there's 120 students participating in showmanship with beef, dairy, sheep, swine, and new to the event, goats. Koski says talk of adding goats has been in the making for a few years. It really took one phone call for me to find some goats. So the rest of the animals come from the NDSU units, which we're so grateful for the fact that they're already on campus um, and that our units allow us to work with them. However, NDSU doesn't have a goat unit, so it was a struggle um, in the past to figure out where we would get those goats from, and so I was able to get them from Brett Levis this year of Levis Farms out by Chafee, North Dakota, and he was super excited as a past uh, little-eye contestant to be able to offer his goats and let us use them for the first two months of the year, I guess. Festivities start this Friday with FFA and 4-H contests before the Little Eye Banquet Friday night, honoring this year's Agriculturalists of the Year, Dean and Paula Swenson. Checking markets before we leave you this noon hour. We're seeing uh, a mixed go here. March wheat, Minneapolis is down a half at 917. July down one and three quarters. Chicago March wheat's down two at 748 and a quarter. Kansas City March wheat is eight cents higher, 884. March corn down four and three quarters at 674 and a half. December corn down four and three quarters at 593. March soybeans are down seven at 15, 14 and a quarter. November two and a quarter higher. 1369 and a half. March canola is down a dollar and 30 cents a metric ton, 832.20 Canadian. April live cattle down 92 cents, 163.55. June's down a dollar two. March feeder cattle down 35 cents at 187.35. April is down 40 cents. The uh, April lean hogs 80 cents higher at 83.52. The June lean hogs are seven cents higher at $100.65. Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Have a great afternoon. This is the Red River Farm Network.